online shoppers want their products when and how they specify, but it's getting harder for retailers to meet those demands. Hi, everybody. I'm Bob Bowman, Executive Editor of Supply Chain Brain, and this is the Supply Chain Brain Podcast. When it comes to retail and the world of consumer packaged goods, complexity and volatility rule. And for retailers, the situation is only getting worse as shoppers step up their demands for rapid delivery. In surveys, 40% of consumers name delivery as the most decisive factor in their shopping experience. And 94% won't return to a site after just one delivery failure. So there's precious little room for error. On today's episode, we take a look at the retail and e-tail landscape with my guest Gaurav Palta, managing partner of Client Services and Solutions with Noodle.ai. He lays out the three issues that are currently plaguing the retail supply chain and, fortunately, proposes some cures. Chief among them is the still-developing science of artificial intelligence. We'll learn how AI fits into modern-day strategies for matching supply and demand, as well as how far it has to go in order to realize its promise. So here is my conversation with Gaurav Palta. Gaurav Palta, welcome to the show. Thank you, Bob. Glad to be here. Would you describe for me in general terms just what is the problem or what are the forces that are driving the need for change in the retail and consumer packaged goods landscape today? There's a lot going on and a lot's been written about this as well. But the biggest change that we are seeing in the consumer and retail landscape is this. There is obviously an increasing level of complexity and volatility that's emerging. A lot of this has to do with sheer demand growth. You have 10 billion people on this planet by 2050. The number of SKUs, it's not surprising for a large consumer company to be shipping 50,000 to 100,000 SKUs across hundreds of ship-on locations. There's a sheer growth in demand that we're seeing, but there is also an increasing complexity being driven by volatility and volatility, especially in the consumer space, as the impact of internet influencers goes up as the expectations of the consumer become more stringent, we find that the sheer volatility, both on the demand side, as I just spoke, as well as on the supply side, which a lot of this emanates through over-constrained assets. It is through constrained material inbound supply for certain critical components. There is a tremendous amount of volatility that is emerging, not just from the demand side, but as well as the supply side. The fact that 40% of the customers actually expect on-time delivery as being the most important factor, about 95% of them will not return if you have one delivery failure, right? It's just increasing the level of volatility that we are seeing on the demand side, but it's not restricted just to demand. As the competition grows, supply side volatility is also becoming a very, very important factor, whether it is around constrained supply, constrained materials, supplier performance, production predictability, Everything, if you kind of think about it across the system, both demand and supply, is increasing in complexity and volatility. And I think that is the overall context, which kind of brings us to this broad conversation of what is truly driving waste today in these environments. 
But it's aspects like that within the consumer and retail market which are kind of at the front end of pushing the complexity and vulnerability across the landscape. Okay, I want to go through these three major issues that you have identified that are plaguing retail and CPG supply chains today against the backdrop that you just painted for us of the situation that that the industry's in. Let's start with the problem of excess inventory, overproduction, and product service defects. What exactly is going on there and why? That's a fantastic question to dive into, Bob. I think as we kind of unpack this question alone, it will kind of it'll set a line of sight as to the eventual conversation around what AI can actually bring and do in the context of this. So now if you think about inventory and service levels and on-time delivery and so on and so forth, a lot has been done and a lot has been written about this. And there have been companies that have been devoted for decades trying to solve these KPIs. Now the question is, what is the fundamental problem then? And how should we be thinking about these overages and shortages and sub-performance of metrics in a way which is new? Are we fundamentally reframing or rethinking what's driving this in order to be able to actually have hopes that we will have a solution that actually works? When you think about, let's just take inventory as the starting point. In the context of what I just explained in terms of system-wide volatility, where you have demand and supply-side volatility, the, the underlying problem that is driving inventory and service-level performance is the fact that when you're trying to deal with system-wide volatility, but you're trying to do it with just rules-based systems, it fundamentally leads to noise. And noise kind of finds its way into your systems in a variety of ways. So today, if you're a supply chain team that is trying to solve for the system-wide volatility, but is doing it just with rules-based systems, you could be looking at a planning book where your underlying planning and execution system is giving you projections for what your demand and supply is going to be at for a particular skew at a particular DC, just to simplify the example. We will not be surprised if you kind of went out and looked at this data and compared it to actual and came back shocked at the level of inaccuracy that's in your systems. That is the fundamental noise that gets created where you try to process system-wide volatility with just rules and often aging rules. And 80% then of your entire supply chain function, 80% of that time is now spent trying to cut through this noise, figure out what's real, uh, how to back into decisions that need to be made to against identified risk. And as a byproduct of that noise, you find a lot of interesting metrics. And I'm going to give you a leading indicator to what finally results in silver issues and inventory issues and so on and so forth. If you looked at the data that is sitting in your systems, if you actually took the highest 100 punch list items of the top priority items that your supply chain planning and execution team need to attack for the week, you would find that about 70% of them, in a lot of cases that we've had the chance to measure them, are actually wrong or not correlated. That means they don't belong in the top 100 or are in the wrong order of importance. So when you talk about actual execution and action, there is a lot of time wasted trying to sift through all these pointers within your systems and get your supply chain teams to take on road action. If you have taken the trouble of configuring alerts, and alerts in themselves are very important objects. These are labeled events that point you to a certain risk. If you have taken the trouble of actually configuring alerts in your systems against this raw, noisy data, it will not be uncommon that you will experience hundreds of thousands of alerts per week, which are disjoint, disconnected, and 80%, like I said, of your time of your planning and execution team is spent trying to sift through this noise. When we design things this from the perspective of the end user, very often we find Mondays are Groundhog Day because your planning runs ran over the weekend. You came in on Monday and you have a tsunami of alerts 
that is probably going to take you two to three days to get through. And at the end of it, you're just kind of chasing actions. And a lot of the overages and shortages that you find are because of delayed uh, response actions, like the ones I just mentioned. And all of these are leading indicators to performance, which finally shows up as inventory overages, as shortages and fill rate issues, as production delays, material delays, so, so on and so forth. So how we attack this problem in a way which is more unique and is more aligned with the end user and the performance of the end user. What we have ahead of us, I'll be happy to share more information on how we are rethinking of this problem frame with a solution that we think will turn the dial on performance. Yeah, certainly we're going to move to solutions in just a minute, but let's just cover these last two points very quickly. Uh, the second is inefficient movement of tools, equipment, and people. Why are they moving inefficiently? I think there is a lot of idle time. If you were to actually step onto a shop floor, again, things become even more important and in the execution window where time is of the essence and there is a lot of latency by the system. The inefficient movement of tooling, the inefficient movement of people and labor is primarily caused because of lags and latency. By the time, for example, you realize that there was downtime on a particular asset, by the time you actually take action to recover from it, chances are more often than not it's too late. And then you're left in a period within the execution window, which is inefficient because you're making dire changes, which could have been much better decisions had you made them weeks in advance. Similarly, with materials, you will find that your system, and it goes back to what I was saying earlier, deterministic rules-based system will take inbound material as your supplier commits or your stated lead times and will treat it as gospel. But in reality, the world is highly probabilistic and variable. So when material delays start showing up where you expected it to be delivered on Jan 15th and Jan 31st and the commits still haven't come in. All of these variations, as they propagate through the system, end up creating a lot of latency and a lot of risk, which finally shows up in your key performance indicators. But a lot of time and energy is then spent trying to react to these changes as opposed to being predictive and proactively respond to them when you sense them. You've really covered the third point as well in what you're saying. Although this, of course, leads to the existence of idle equipment and workers waiting on materials. But I do want to move right now, though, to the potential solution here. And I believe that has to do with the use of artificial intelligence and machine learning. How can these new tools, which are still very much in their infancy, be used to address some of these key issues we've been discussing? A lot of us actually came together because we had the idea of what the white space was. You'll find that the graveyard is replete of AI, ML, or even broader big data solutions that were scientific experiments that never saw the light of day or could not scale into production. The fundamental problem that we believe AI, ML can actually solve for, when you put it in the context of rules-based systems that are your planning and execution systems that are, are not engineered to process system-wide variability, that are not engineered to process and be informed by the information that resides there, not just as a science experiment, but to eventually inform actions and decisions at the level of granularity that matters. That is a part of the planners and the operators' workflow. There is no tool today that is engineered to do that. And from an AI ML perspective, that is essentially what we believe is required, not to overdo or replace a planning or execution system, but think of this as a system of intelligence that sits on top that is constantly denoising your signals within your planning and execution system that are sensing system-wide metrics. And we can give you examples of 
up to a thousand features from demand forecast all the way to material supply that are constantly being ingested to sense what behaviors are showing up, using those to predict and recommend specific actions to predict risks and recommend specific actions that an inventory planner, a production planner, a deployment manager, a materials planner can actually use in their day-to-day workflow. And these would be actions around reallocation of inventory at certain DC locations. It would be around expedites and de-expedites relating to certain shipments. It would be around expedites for inbound materials. But specific actions that once people have visibility and the inside of what that visibility is telling them is giving them a clear recommendation on what is the optimal action to take. And it becomes exceedingly important when you're in the execution window. You talk about the artificial intelligence engine as being able to denoise the signal. How does it tell noise from signal? How, how does it know or what, what, what kind of routines is it going through to know what data is relevant and what isn't? So what we are doing as part of the AI layer is we start by ingesting a vast amount of history. When you start picking up, and we do this across a variety of KPI tables from your source systems, So we are pulling in, for example, demand behavior. We are pulling in supply behavior with everything from inventory to production to materials and so on and so forth. And we are studying the physics of your organization. So when I say it denoises the signals in your systems, what we are essentially saying is, if I studied the inherent biases and behavior of your data, and let me give you a quick example. If I have chronic demand bias, which does not necessarily have to be about anything external. A chronic demand bias could be organizational. Let me flesh this example out a little bit more. If any organization, for example, is in a fair share allocation mode, your demand inputs, your consensus demand that's going into your system that's been created by your organization, for example, already biased. So what we are essentially doing is we are studying variations in patterns of behavior using up to three to five years of history. And then when we actually get into production mode, we are sensing all of these features simultaneously in real time and then predicting what your demand and your supply is going to be at the granularity of a SKU or a DC combination. When you compare our predictions versus what your course planning systems and your rules-based execution systems are projecting what it is going to be, there is an increased level of accuracy. There is a material lift in the accuracy of those signals, which are actually probabilistic projected predictions as opposed to deterministic projections. And what we do is these inventory and demand and supply and a variety of measures are then fed back to the end users and it's fed back to your core system to correct inaccuracies where we find them. In the example of alerts, which I was talking about earlier, we could actually take up to between 500 to 800,000 alerts per week, compress them by 95%. That means reduce the volume down to 5% with zero information loss. And those alerts then become highly predictive, highly useful for the end user. Hopefully that kind of gives you an example of how we correct the signals and denoise the signals that exist in your current planning and execution system. Isn't there some kind of a self-improvement loop as well? Because as the system becomes more accurate, there's the need for fewer alerts, right? Because you're not running into as many snags. That's a wonderful point. A very big component of what we do is around the closed feedback loop. And I'd like to add another point, which kind of tees off what you just said. The whole aspect of action that is being taken in the context of the risk that you're providing visibility to 
that action itself as a feature, as an input variable, becomes exceedingly important for that closed feedback loop to work. And we are constantly updating our predictions based on improvements and shifts in data. Supply chain data and the actions people take is highly non-stationary in these environments. So we are constantly updating our predictions based on changes of behavior. It could be external data, internal data, or even the actions that people are taking or not taking. All of those get updated as a closed feedback loop into our predictions. It sounds like you're saying that the output of the system at this point is purely in the form of predictions. It has been said that as AI and machine learning become more mature, they can move into the world of prescriptions. That is not just predicting what's going to happen, but telling you how to react to that, and in some cases even taking the actions themselves outside the need for human action. Are we there yet? Are we going in that direction? Oh, we're definitely going in that direction. It is a journey, like you said. But clearly, the solutions that I was talking about not only are predicting risk at certain time periods down to the granularity of a skew and a DC location, but we are also translating that risk into prescribed action, which is relevant for that particular end user. So as an example, if I'm a deployment manager and my entire role is around expediting or de-expediting shipments to hit my service levels, as you would relies in a large company where the mode of behavior eventually becomes when in doubt, hit expedite. And you'll find a lot of cases where things are getting expedited but eventually go and sit on a shelf and needn't have been expedited. Or conversely, things that weren't being expedited needed to be expedited. So we are translating our risks to clear optimal action recommendations, for example, for expedites. We're doing the same thing for reallocation of inventory across your DCs and your hubs based on the risks that we are seeing. This obviously will keep getting more and more evolved, but today we have the technology to be able to handle specific action recommendations around rebalancing of inventory, expedites of shipments, changes in target stock. Another very interesting one is around demand adjustments for demand planners. It's not uncommon for 50% of your demand adjustments between, say, 12 weeks to when you're approaching T0 down to four weeks, 50% of your demand adjustments could be going in the wrong direction. So for us to be able to recommend actions around demand adjustments also becomes very, very important to that source of a lot of what flows through. To your answer your question, the recommendations are already here, but there is no finish line. The evolution and the maturity of those recommendations will keep improving as technology improves. But I don't want to leave the audience with an impression that this is a distant future. It's already here. And in the process, of course, as the noise gets filtered out, we start to get an actual picture of reality in a real or near real-time basis, and retailers and CPG producers can respond accordingly. Gaurav Palta, I want to thank you so much for painting this picture of for us of how AI and machine learning really can address some of these big issues that are plaguing retail and CPG supply chains today. Thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you, Bob. It's a pleasure being here. That was my conversation with Gaurav Palta of Noodle.ai, talking about the promise of artificial intelligence in the retail supply chain. We're online at www.supplychainbrain.com, where we post a new episode of this podcast for streaming or downloading every Friday. You can also read my Think Tank blog, watch thousands of videos, and access all of our other content, including the digital edition of our magazine. Look for us on Facebook and LinkedIn, and follow us on Twitter, at SCBrain. 
can also download or subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts. Got any comments or suggestions on this or any episode? Email me at rbowman at supplychainbrain.com. See you next time.